So DLF has asked the DLF podcast to do a live read. I don't I don't do this. <laughs> I don't sell advertising space. I don't try and sell anything. But DLF is my home. It is my family. So I'm going to do them a solid here. Instead of putting the uh, other podcasts from DLF ad up at the top of uh, Dynasty Crossroads, uh, I'm just going to do this here live read. Um, again, not going to be paid to do it. I just think DLF's awesome. they got an awesome thing going on. And they asked, and I agree with it. So why not? Uh, let me see here. i got to pull it up. You can tell I'm real professional about this. All right, uh, so DLF would like you to know that if you are... God, can't do this properly, can I? Tired of the same old Dynasty format? Think you have what it takes to be a real champion? DLF has partnered with Safe Leagues and Commish extraordinaire Scott Fish... Hey, Scott! ...to create a brand new DLF Champions Cup series. That's DLF Champions Cup series, just in case I stumbled that. In the DLF Champions Cup Series, you're matched up in a Superflex tight end premium with points and payouts awarded each year. Nice. The bonus is that every third year, you, your cumulative points go up against a larger field to see who wins the Champions Cup. That's a neat idea. Claim a team today and begin your journey to hoist the Champions Cup and claim $1,000. Wow, cool. Uh, that's the grand prize. Come prove it, I guess, is what they're saying. It seems like a pretty cool competition. Uh, DLF's running it along with Scott Fish. Actually seems like a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, please hit up DLF Scott Fish or the DLF Champions Cup Series. Uh, you can find it on DynastyLeagueFootball.com backslash safe leagues. Thanks very much. Let's, let's do a podcast now or We're looking at a new breed of wide receiver in the NFL. Not news, not the first one to break it, not the first time I've talked about it, but I was doing some research on positional scoring the other week, as you know, and I've also been looking at the position as a whole, trying to understand the landscape moving forward. If you don't follow, uh, what's his app, Dynasty Champ on Twitter, you probably should. He's one of the most fun accounts to follow. It's pure troll account, and I love it. Uh, but he makes really good points in the way, you know, anti-establishment points can be made sometimes. Um, and there's a trope he posted recently of the Dynasty nerd who's utterly convinced that this is the year you need to go 0RB. And I guess that I, I'm like two of his tropes, but anyway. Uh, I like that one. Um, I'm not so sure. Now, look, 0RB is a viable strategy, and like all viable strategies, it can help you win in the right draft in the right place. It's still viable. It's still good. But I'm not sure, even though it would be tempting, I can make an argument that this is the year you go 0RB any more than any other year in any other draft. It's a good strategy. So I wanted to run through the landscape of wide receiver, how it's changed, what are some of the things we can know, and really why you should be focusing pretty hard on 2018-2019 wide receivers as values um, this year for 2020. Now, I've recorded this podcast twice. Once, I just didn't feel like it went well. Once, 
I had the wrong mic selected, so it f- sounded like I was talking to you from inside a very angry coal mine. Uh, hopefully third time's charm, right? Um, but what I want to do is lay out the facts and then let you know when I'm switching over more into interpretation. Because I think that's important. I think it's important to know when you stray from things that we can know to things that we think we can know. Um, and I do try and offer a, a pretty substantial uh, trigger warning from where the one switches to the other um all right so facts target share for the wide receiver position those that finish in the top 24 has continually just declined since 2000 really there's a market drop in target share for the top 24 wide receivers after 2007 we moved from an average around you know uh, just eyeballing it around 26 27 percent for the top 24 wide receivers down to a period where top 24 wide receivers are earning between 25 and 24 however there has been a recent trend that shows up most particularly in a yards and in fact um shout out to tanho from dlf he actually helped Remerge A yards because I had to make a new NFL database. I didn't have A yards in there. I lost my look at. I lost a nerdy thing that helped me combine databases, and um, but he was help, able to help me build one back so that I could actually import A yards and compare them to Rotoviz stats, compare them to average stats and everything else. And A yards shows this difference over the last four or five seasons since 2016, really. And most markedly, it's visible in targets, it's visible in target share, it's visible in expected points. But for some reason, just looking at the air yards numbers, um, and I'm much more a table guy than a graph guy, maybe that's why, um, you you can really see the difference. Since 2016, um, let's just go with air yards, because that's a stat everyone understands. I don't want to do too much, you know, that's what that stat means, because that's... It's terrible. It's a little too nerdy even for me. So, um, since 2016, top 24 wide receivers has averaged just over around 1,400 air yards. So the ball has traveled over 1,400 yards while reaching top 24 players since 2016. Between 2011 and 2014, the wide receiver boom, as I like to think of it, the ball was traveling in excess of 1,600 yards. So you really got a 200 air yard drop over the last four years. Now, this isn't a regression type issue. This isn't something that happened um, for a year or two and we should expect it to bounce back up. And that would be perfect zero RB next year type arguments, right? This is a trend that has been continuously going for the last four or five years. Wide receivers are getting less volume. That's true at the top 12. That's true at the top 24. So wide, the wide receiver position is getting less volume. Um, I post some things on Twitter and relating to, like, I think his work Scott Barrett had done showing that a lot of this has actually bled off the running back as teams have continued to find the value and use of highly efficient, good uh, pass-catching running backs. That's where a lot of it's going. Tight ends remain remarkably stable. Um, but that that's where it's going, and it looks like it's going to stay that way. That's what I'm saying. It's not going to regress up. The wide receiver position is suddenly going to get volume like it used to. I don't think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing a, continu- a, a sustained reduction in volume to the position as a whole. However, that's been coupled with, last year, a flattening of wide receiver scoring. As I've been talking about on Patreon and on Twitter and, you know, trying to graph a little bit. Um, last year, essentially what, what flattening means is there was very little difference in starting the wide receiver two 
or the wide receiver, I forget what it was, 12 or so, um, last year on a week-by-week basis. Now, that's not entirely perfect because wide receiver 2 to wide receiver 12 isn't a points-per-game type argument. Devontae Adams, for example, provided significant advantage over most wide receivers ranked 2 to 12, but he finished as a wide receiver 23. So, in fact, there were two wide receivers offering significant advantage over starting any other wide receiver. Or in the flex spot, you can talk about running backs and tight ends. Um, in 2019. So, just yeah, there were two. But really, the only one that shows up if you just go PPR rank is Michael Thomas as a wide receiver one. I also think Emmanuel Sanders can eat into him a little bit. But anyway. So, before that... There has been a lessening or a flattening of the position, but it's remarkably regression-y. Talking about the volume not being regression-y, flat, flattening a wide receiver scoring has reduced over a certain period of time. We are looking at a new wide receiver landscape. That's I'm pretty convinced of that at this point. You can talk about slot usage if you like, but uh, I, I get really bored with splits really quickly, so I'll probably drift off if you start and you know start arguing about something you weren't talking about. It would get very confusing. But there is a change in the wide receiver position uh, in terms of volume, overall volume to the position. And that's been reflected in fantasy points. We're feeling that. However, the flattening of the scoring, I don't think that's something that we should expect to continue on forever in the way we should probably until something else changes happens with volume. So what does that mean? Essentially what it means, I think wide receiver 2 to wide receiver 4, like they did in previous years, even like 2018, 2017, 2016, are going to provide you an edge over starting wide receiver 6, 7, 8, 9. I still don't think it's going to be any more of a significant edge than running back, which also doesn't make this a perfect, like everyone should go 0 RB. It can work, it's a viable strategy, but it's not 0 RB yet. So the volume is going to be less, but the scoring won't be as flat. Now, the volume's going to be less, I think is fact-based. Scoring's going to not be flat. That's interpretation. Forgot forgot to put it in the trigger warning, so I, I should probably mention that. One of the reasons I think that is because looking at wide receiver classes, you can see a remarkable difference. Now, where I think we're looking at a different era of wide receivers, it's important to notice that what we can expect different things in those different areas, if I'm accurate in thinking that there are, in fact, trends, there are, in fact, periods where wide receivers are getting more and then wide receivers are getting less volume. Now, one of the difficult things in doing this, especially where air yards are so valuable into this, is I have expected points all the way from 2000 to 2000 last year. So, uh, you know, a 20-year history. We can do target share that way, raw stats that way. Air yards stops at 2009. We don't have... Ayards data before 2009 and so it's like getting you know halfway through a book only to find the last few chapters have been torn out thrown away and the books out of print and all the other copies were burnt like it'd be really fascinating to see if this type of period has happened before i don't think so just based on the other stats but Ayards adds significant and important context i don't have it so it's frustrating but we'll go with what we have right Anyway, back to rookies. Rookies, between 2011 and 2014, averaged around about over 24% target share. Okay, that's just all rookies 
in all those classes were 24% and above. Since 2015, the average has dropped to around 20. So you're looking at, and remember 2014, the outlier of this, even the wide receiver boom period, had 27% target share for the entire class. Like it was phenomenal. The reverse is 2016 that had 19% target share for the entire class on average. And that's in two different periods. I really think we can separate out 2009 to 2014 and 2015 to 2019 to two different wide receiver landscapes. Now, added into this is that, as we know, 2015 to 2017 were kind of really bad wide receiver classes, which is why I started to break down the rookies. Is this just the result of a lack of high-level replaceable talent, like we saw at the quarterback position recently, could we actually argue for a wide receiver boom in the same way we're seeing Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes revitalize the quarterback position? That's what I was hoping to find. But what I in fact see, because this this trend is so consistent over such a long period of time and where most production isn't coming from rookies anyway, although interestingly, interesting fact, side point, since 2009, difficult year because we don't have A-yards before that. But if we look at a points-per-game basis, we expect a significant, we can expect a significant and more, significantly more production from rookies from an entire class after 2009 than before 2009. The points-per-game for the entire class actually raises by about two, which is an incredibly significant shift on a points-per-game basis. And that's kind of old news at this point. Your normal is still that normal. That we live in the post-2019 era, we probably can't like adjust expectations for rookies based on that. But I do think it's interesting. I thought it was a really obvious shift that rookies perhaps are getting more expected of them, having more thrown at them, literally, at the wide receiver position um, after 2019, 2009 than before 2009. But anyway, back, back to rookies in the era we care about or that might actually require some edge or uh, provide some edge or require some adjustment from our expectations. And 2018 and 2019 are very clearly different types of wide receiver classes based on the, just their first year production. You don't, I don't even have to bore you with college market share numbers here. And for example, they are the two most efficient classes ever, <laughs> ever, in receiving expected points, uh, fantasy points over expected. And that's a rotoviz metric. So you find out the expected points that, okay, what's expected points? I guess you should do that. Um, expected points are fantasy points that players would score if they were an average player based on, a, you know, you take the average from a certain date range. I don't know the rotoviz exact formula. I just know what expected points are. I really wish I did, but anyway. So if an average player had their level of opportunity, you should expect them because you multiply what the average player does by the opportunity they got to have X amount of fantasy points. That's expected points. Now, if you get more than that expectation from the average player, then you are, you have fantasy points over-expected. And if you have less than that, then you will have fantasy points under-expected, right? So you're more or less efficient compared to an average player in that situation with those targets or those yard lines. That's essentially all it is. All right. So... In 2018-2019, the rookie class had two of the most efficient years, so fantasy points over-expected, than we've ever seen since since 2000. In fact, you don't really get an, a, a class having a, a fantasy points over-expected until we get to 2013. 
2014 had four points on average for the entire class over expected. 2018 had two points over expected. 2019 had five points over expected. Yes, I know you want to value 2019 wide receivers more than 2018. I really encourage you not to do that. It's both classes look remarkably different. And you know, the numbers aren't that different. But it is interesting that these are two distinctly different types of classes. And 2014 really stands out. 2013 does. All these good wide receiver classes stand out very clearly when you take the average of the class and compare them to other classes. 2015 to 17 look terrible, were terrible. 2018 and 19 look good, are good. It's that simple. All right. However, 2018 and 19, while being efficient, like to the 2014 class, have all these like orange and yellow numbers when you look at the volume. And that's why I'm really leaning into the idea that we're looking at a new volume era for wide receiver. And when you adjust, essentially, adjustment season, for that new era, that new normal, 2018 and 2019 look like those good classes of 2011, 2014. Not quite as good as 2014, but they look like those type of classes. I really encourage you not to fade them. Remember, we've got players getting forgotten from those classes. DJ Chark comes from those classes. DJ Moore, no one's forgetting. Okay, Kevin Ridley might be getting a little undervalued at this point. Same with Tyler Lockett. Um, last year, you've got Marcus Brown, who I think strikes sticks out as a remarkable value. Most of the other wide receivers are getting a bump. I don't think Brown has. No one really wants to trade Brown they want because his value is so low. So you kind of have to work up a trade around that. But maybe that can happen in your league. I don't know. But you should speculate in Brown. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, 2018-2019 look like the good classes of this new normal. That's the first thing I wanted to point out, and it, it proves true, especially when you see this as two distinct er- types of volume eras. However, the first point I made, which is I really do think purely fact-based, is this is a new normal. The position as a whole is going to get less volume than we were used to them seeing before 2014, really. 2015, 2019 is this new normal of a lower volume offense. However, the, the scoring should stop being quite so flat at the wide receiver position. I think 2019, the flattening of scoring is a regressible stat. I do think that should return back to more what we're normally used to. So who are the players most likely to finish in wide receiver 2 to wide receiver 5? Are probably getting undervalued a little bit. In a year, we really should lean running back. That's what the factual numbers are telling us. So position's getting less volume. There is significantly less difference or diversity of points per game scoring at the wide receiver position, but I do think that's going to bounce back up a little bit in 2019. That doesn't mean you don't draft running backs early and often. It does mean we can continue to do those counter-arguments I was talking about two shows ago of fading the backup running backs, for example, looking where we normally get this stuff wrong and heavily hedging that bet. That's the new thing we can do to find edges and in a market that's now remarkably efficient remember two years ago i said we were, we were too accurate in top 12 dynasty rankings too many 83 percent of running backs that were ranked in the top 12 finished in the top 12 we saw that regress in 2019 we're not going to get more right an efficient market means that we are making smarter bets with our rankings or accurate or just good bets with our ranking so wide receiver 12 is a pretty good bet to be the wide receiver 12 and so you have to start looking for that second edge of where do we normally get things wrong 
that's like the new stage and when I was talking about that Twitter thread from the finance guy. So going into 2020, what am I essentially saying? Not all production comes from rookies. Like 2020 crest profiles like 2018-19, we should value them more as well. But 2018 and 19 rookie uh, sophomores and now, uh, I guess, juniors, we'd call them, are players we should definitely highlight. But if you want to know who's likely to finish wide receiver 2 to wide receiver 9, that's just regular ADP, regular consensus rankings will get, a because it's an efficient market, will get you those numbers. Now, outside of that, we go back to interpretation. Who do I think is being undervalued in that conversation? And I think it's not just rookies like Calvin Ridley, DJ Chark. It's also some of these players that we've seen have down years in a low-volume era, but they are high-volume players who had a down year. So you look at Odell Beckham, who's in his prime of his career right now. It's not, it doesn't matter that he started hot and then faded a little because he changed teams and earned more targets on that new team than he did the New York Giants the year before, by the way. He had more targets, not less. He had an under-efficient season on a new team, which should be expected. Anyway, you've also got Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a little harder to read because his target Shepard game really dropped last year. But I, I think the long view of his career suggests that's the aberration. That's the thing that should regress, and he should come back up to being one of those potentially top 12 wide receivers who is lower value in that, and we think top 12 wide receivers can stop having this flattening, flattened scoring, which means there might be a slight edge in in high and really going hard after the players we think can be top 12 wide receivers right so there are other names as well and we'll talk about them throughout this offseason and the end of the offseason here as well i mean dj moore uh, aj brown two players that are ranked accurately as decent bets to finish in the top 12 this year i have juju smith schuster in there my points per game model likes dj chark in there those are the edges and the bets we're trying to make but for this episode, I really wanted to highlight it is a new era, but I think the scoring can diversify in this new normal. Um, it was really interesting data to work through. If you want to see it, I'll, I'll post the pictures on Patreon and share them on Twitter, I guess. It's all from my NFL database, which is really available because uh, everything I do is free because I'm a moron. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of 2018 and 2019, outside of the rookies, we also saw an efficient year from the top 24 wide receivers, which is why it felt better the last two years. And that's essentially what I'm saying. <clears throat> like the volume is lower, but we should expect wide receivers to be more efficient than they have been 2015 to 2017 and that's what we saw over the last two years as those players mature into their roles and as we see new good players added this ghost of the bad wide receiver era separating out the wide receiver boom and this new normal should continue and so we should still be focusing running back early but we should not take our eye off the fact that there is more value in the wide receiver position than currently conceived of perhaps in the market i think this might be if I can work it the right way, another of those hedging a decent expectation by the market that wide receivers should be undervalued by, undervalued considered running backs, yes, but there are going to be more wide receivers that make a difference on a week-to-week -week basis than there were in 2019 when we get to 2020. And I think that's this is one of these hedging moments, and so it's why I wanted to share it with you all. Like I say, if you want to see the data... It, I, like so free, I, I did the work so you can take it over. I do think it's interesting to see the way target share has dropped since 2000, the way that air yards have dropped consistently since 2009 into this new normal era. Expected points shows it uh, pretty well as well. 
Um, and I really like that 2018 shows up as one of the most efficient classes ever. Again, we should value 2019 rookies, uh, sophomores now, but kind of everyone is. There's like a slight value in Micah's Brown, maybe Dubois Samuel's undervalued. But 2018 is really old hat right now, and it shouldn't be. It stands out as remarkably distant and distinct in the same way good classes did through that other era of heavy of heavy wide receiver volume. It, these two classes look significantly different. And 2020 profiles that way, but we haven't seen it yet. So it's a different kind of thing. Um, Tyler Lockett, Keenan Allen. Those are two other names I wanted to throw out there. As players I think can finish top 12 in a, in a year where points per game scoring could provide a significant edge, and that might be not what the market is seeing, even though it's efficiently ranking players. All right, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Hopefully you found it interesting on this third recording. It, uh, yeah, hopefully I've got it down by now. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter, at PA Howdy. Please listen to all other DLF podcasts, as I do. Um, yeah, I just plugged DLF again. I'm really, I'm really pro DLF right now, because they're great. Um, anyway, thanks again. Thanks for checking it out, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I, I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.